And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. You're a funny guy. That is very funny. Don't interrupt me. The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, he is the constructor and conductor of DKPittsburghSports.com. It's Serbian reactionary, Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, I have breaking news. I don't know if you even know this. Mm-hmm. Sean Rodriguez has mm-hmm. been designated for assignment. He is done as a pirate, and better late than never, but it's definitely something past due. I'm waiting for the symphony to go off and the clouds to part and the angels to sing and everything else. Uh, the way he's been almost singularly blamed for everything that's gone wrong with the Pirates this well, year. Well, that's been harsh, but, but he's symptomatic. He's symptomatic of stuff like playing favorites, illogical decision-making, He's, I mean, he played way too much, Dejon. Yes, way too much. I'll agree with that. Uh, there's no way to disagree with that. However, I think he's symptomatic in a different sense. The cause is the fact that they can't draft and develop, so they have guys like that sitting around. Until somebody comes along that's better than him or even marginally better than him. You, know, now, you see, you want to beat the draft and developing drum, and I get it. Because but it's real. It is real. You've seen it, the Cardinals? It's not that relevant to this. He's hitting 167. Cardinals had three guys Anybody could have been found. They could have, they could have gone to a Fed League game. No, no, no. I know they that. They could have gone to St. John's and 20th War and found a guy better than Sean Rodriguez. <laughs> I said I'm not going to disagree with his playing time. We, I, I just see that there's a cause, and he's a symptom. That's all. The Cardinals last night sent out three pitchers. From the past three years of drafts against the Pirates, guys that are 20, 21, 22 years old, the same way the Braves are in first place. You know how they got that? It's not by some voodoo, and it's not because they made a managerial change. It's because they drafted and developed talent. That's it. The sad note is that Sean Rodriguez finishes his season hitting 167. Oh, no. One point above my IQ of 166, oh, so no. I am a, a beaten man. My condolences. Let's let's get to something people care about, namely the Steelers <laughs> preseason. How do you rate the Steelers preseason? Uh, does it feel like they're ready for a good year? It feels like their defense is making progress. And I know the Green Bay game would not seem to indicate that they didn't use a lot of guys. Uh, when they did put their guys on the field against Tennessee, uh, they looked good in practice. Their secondary guys, some of their formations have looked good. You know what worries me right now, Mark, is that Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin are trying a lot of different things with that defense, with the formations that they're using, and I wonder if they're not trying too many things. Uh, when It's one thing to say... I, I think they're trying it. To an ex- I think they'll go back to basics, for better or worse, which means Bostick and Vince Williams both yes. on the field, and I think that's for worse. Well, I think what you're going to see, certainly in the Cleveland game, is they're going to come out in your basic, standard, old-school Dick LeBeau formation, 3-4, and everything else just aligned the way it's supposed to be. However... When you have all these different formations and the group is young, you're asking for trouble because now you're taking uh, young secondary guys, rookies, in a case like Terrell Edmonds, uh, in in a case like Cam Sutton. He's not a true rookie, but he's going to be basically in his first full season of activity. You're putting these guys in position to not just know their position, but really to know other people's positions as well, and I think that's asking for trouble. It's a tall order to be sure. Yes. That again, I think not having your best talent on the field is asking for trouble. Yes, which is why I would default toward having a lot of those secondary guys out there, but maybe, and I think this is what you're suggesting, going a little bit lighter on linebackers and maybe even the nose tackle. 
See, I'd keep it simple, but I'd use three safeties and one linebacker. Hmm. I don't think that overcomplicates things. You just have the extra safety play in the box. And yeah, if Edmonds or Burnett could do that. I was going to say, which one of which one would you have doing that? I would lean toward having Burnett up there. Uh, no, I'd lean toward Edmonds because then... Well, Burnett's done it, though, Mark. Bur- yeah, but, but, but you need Burnett in a more structured role. Then again... But he's a tackler first and foremost. That's where I want him, you know? I mean, yeah, it, but then your safeties are Edmonds and Davis. Yikes. Yeah, except for one thing here. The one guy that we haven't mentioned yet out of that group that might be the most adaptable, even though he's a little guy, is Mike Hilton because he can do anything and he flies to the football and he finishes the play. He makes the tackle. Uh, the burning question right now is what do you expect from Le'Veon Bell? And do you agree with me that he did not have a great season last year? No, I, I don't agree. I mean, that, I guess that defines as how you define great. I know you're big on the yards per carry. How can you not be? Because I think there's other ways to define an unusual running back like Depends him. Depends what you're looking for, I suppose. I guess it is. But I think the fact that he's able to really confuse uh, other teams, their defensive coordinators, even Bill Belichick's talked about it openly. Uh, the fact that he comes out of the backfield, makes the plays that he does. Look, he hasn't broken off massive I, I think, runs. I, I think he has in the past, but I'm not sure that happened last year. Yeah. Dejan, I'm talking just about his performance last I year. I understand that. He also got off to the slow start, which is probably going to happen again this year because for you know, obviously missing uh, all of training camp. It's going to hurt him. There's no question about that, even with the fifth preseason game up there in Cleveland. Uh, did he have a great season? I mean, great season. I, I I tend to be pretty, you know, picky about using the word great. So maybe not. If you know, if you put it up on some Hall of Fame level, uh, I thought he was outstanding for the better part of it, though. And I'm not saying you you, you bench him or shoot him or or whatever. I just <laughs> well, that's I, put generous. it put it this way: if he has the same season this year than last, it won't be what they need from him. Well, it won't be what gets him the kind of money that he'd want to. So let's now, keep that into mind. Now, what if Bell doesn't report Monday? He's supposed to. He will. Said, he said that's fake news. He will. I, I mean. Oh, Dejan, when somebody says it's fake news, the story's false. Oh, I understand, especially if it's got a hashtag. But I, in this case, I mean, he has to. There's no real way uh, for him to participate in an NFL I, game. I, I think part of the locker room turns on him if he's not there week one. A big part of it. I, I think the media big part of it, jumps on feet first, and I think the fans kill him. Well, I think that's already happened to a large extent, the latter one. But uh, the locker room, I can tell you unequivocally, they will turn on him if he isn't there Monday. I mean, already, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has thrown out the uh, somewhat thinly veiled suggestion. Oh, no, I I wrote about that in the trip. When he said that Connor deserves playing time, what he's really saying is Bell better be ready and play well. He is. I mean, Ben knows, you know, who's by far the better back. I mean, he's throwing Connor a bone, too. A little bit. Ben knows what he's doing in those situations. Yes. There's no question. Now, uh, speak of the devil, the Steelers' biggest advantage is obviously Ben. And without win it, without Ben, it's a six or seven win team. That that's pretty obvious. But he's such a big edge because most of the other quarterbacks in the league stink. I was looking at the Steelers' schedule. They don't play very many good quarterbacks. And and even let me see if I can find this here. In, in the first four weeks, they play Tyrod Taylor. Maybe. Patrick Mahomes, who, right. who, who's you know promising, but but a first year starter. Right. Uh, Winston suspended. They play Tampa's backup, whoever that is, and either Flacco or Lamar Jackson. I mean, Ben has such a pronounced edge over all those guys. I mean, I'll be shocked if they don't win 
all four of those games. Well, you could say the same thing last year whenever starting quarterback after starting quarterback went down before the Steelers played them, that that was actually a contributing factor toward their 13-3 and record. It, it, it undoubtedly was. But as you look ahead deeper into the schedule, they obviously do have some better quarterbacks facing down the road, and Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. Guy, I'm talking about guys, the obvious ones that are outside the division. Uh, it's it's going to be a challenge, I think, as they go deeper. But the good thing is, for all the cliched, uh, I should say trite, knocks against Mike Tomlin and his tenure, the one thing that we've seen from the Steelers in recent seasons is that they do get stronger in the second half of a regular season. And that is to the head coach's credit. Uh, and in this case, I think that's going to be essential given the way their schedule breaks down. We're talking today, Jean Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. He's brought to you by the Walnut Grill. Uh, here's something I, I think is hilarious. Sports Illustrated says the Steelers will make the Super Bowl. Colin Coward of Fox Sports says the Steelers will make the Super Bowl. CBS Sports says Baltimore will win the division. There's this, <laughs> it's, it's such a disparity. Well, Dejan, that's a cross-section. I, I think a lot well, of the wait national a second. media... What do they have the Ravens winning the division well, based that, on what? I, I wouldn't make that up. Defensive line, I guess? I, I wouldn't, don't know. I, I wouldn't make that up. But uh, but the point is, let's forget about the CBS Sports one. Okay, good. Why does the national media think more highly of the Steelers than the local media does? Because I can't imagine picking the Steelers to make the Super Bowl. I'm not ruling the possibility out. I just wouldn't pick it. Well, if you're asking to differentiate between the two, uh, I think locally, and this isn't just the media, I think this is the fan base too, and maybe they're one and the same or one influences the other. But there's a ton of cynicism about the Steelers. A lot of the off-the-field stuff, which I think is real, but also gets blown way out of proportion. Well, yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's justifiably it's generated real. citizen. It's real. Cynicism. And the other aspect of the cynicism is that everybody's got this New England little brother syndrome. And again, there's a justification to that, too. And no one can ever possibly put into their heads the Steelers doing anything at all that would be superior to the Patriots. So you're not going to have anybody around here picking the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl either. I won't. What what surprises me, what surprises me, I haven't gotten that far yet. What surprises me, me neither, really. Yeah, is that Jacksonville really seems to be getting tossed to the side here. Like like what the Jaguars did last year was just just totally a fluke. I think they could take a step backwards. They could. I don't trust the quarterback even a little bit. And and you know what's funny is that's a lot of the same sentiment that's down there in Jacksonville among, you know, whatever their fan base is, it started to make a comeback. Everything comes down to Bortles. Nobody trusts Bortles. They think that he just had a game against the Steelers because Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, was able to read the play action and really confuse the Steelers and make Bortles look way better than he is. But that, I still think that there's something there, though. Won't New England hit a wall one of these years? No. <laughs> what do they teach you about betting against streaks? No, no. Just, I mean, I know. I sooner or later they have to, though, they don't ha- they? They have to. We keep saying that, but with one thing, and that, Brady too. The one thing that keeps the Patriots, I think, to a large extent, uh, a sustainable commodity, and I, you never hear people talk about this is that the AFC East just stinks year after year after year, so they never have to go through a tough divisional schedule to before they get into the playoffs. So you compare that to the AFC North when you have, in particular, the Steelers-Bengals or Steelers-Ravens uh, killing each other in the games that they play. It's a completely different world. Uh, is this the Steelers' last best chance 
Yes. With with Ben and Braun still at a peak and Bell still on the team? Yes, absolutely. Uh, to me, there's no doubt about that because the Steelers don't have, without Shazier, that transcendent defensive player. So it's not like you're going to see some kind of shift of excellence from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive, which is what you would need. And it's not like they're going to have some immediate happy elite replacements on the offensive side. Don't forget, it's not just about those guys. It's also about the offensive line, Mark. They're up there. You know, they're, they're, they're older. They've been together now for five years, which is an eternity in football. Uh, and it's it's asking an awful lot. I think it's got to happen this year. Or it's not going to happen. Uh, what I really want the Steelers to do more than anything is start playing real games. Oh, God, because, yes. Because this... This is an underestimated time for the dog days because it's not like the Steelers are a team with a lot of question marks. You know what you have with them. You just want the real games to start. And uh, let me transition to the Penguins because the Penguins are not a team that's going to have a boring camp. Am I right? Well, as someone who just spent the afternoon out in Cranberry watching three guys skate in circles. Yeah, that's and weird. I thought it was, that's weird that you went I was, out there. I was fine with it. It was Jack Johnson, Jake Gensel. And Chad Ruedel, and they were all wonderful to talk to, and all that other stuff. And it was just nice to see hockey. You know that that was cool in and of itself. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun to see something that's a little bit more meaningful. Even Steelers at Cleveland, uh, I think, is going to be. I think that's a trap game. I, I'm not predicting Why? Cleveland will win because good Cle- Cleveland has great linebackers. They have a great they have offensive good line. They have great wide receivers. That's that could be if the Steelers soil the bed a little bit, that well, game will stay close. That's the one thing that I will say is that the Steelers did kind of soil the bed up there last year. Still People what? forget they got away with it. What because, was it eighteen fifteen? Yeah, and Ben got serious down the end, and they ended up leading the drives when they needed to. Are you implying he wasn't serious up till then? I'm saying I don't think the whole offense looked serious, in particular the offensive line in that first half. But they ended up uh, making things happen. And getting it done when they needed to. I mean, they're obviously going to win the game. I, I don't. The idea that the Browns are somehow drastically improved makes no sense to me. I mean, their top two draft picks aren't going to be participating in this game. I want to get one more Penguins thing in uh, before we uh, uh, wrap it up. Why does Chris Letang seem to polarize Penguins fans so much? Like Jim Rutherford recently said, he expects a big year from Letang. And half the people said Latang sucks, they should have traded him. The other half say he'll have a good year and then some. There's no middle ground. No, there isn't. And I, I, I refer to that sometimes in my writing as last bad thing I saw syndrome. And with Latang, and, and you've discussed this a lot as well over the years, with Latang, his mistakes are big when they happen because he is that type of player where he's going to be a high reward, high risk guy. The chances that he takes are good chances when he's on top of his game. You know what I mean? They're good decisions. But when he's not, they're a wreck. And they do end up in the back of your net. And, and, you know, most unfortunately, he's out there for the goal against he and Dumoulin. Kuznetsov, I don't fault anybody on the Penguin side. It's just a brilliant play by Washington from one end to the other. But fans do remember what they see. That's right. And they but see the, a 58 at the and, end. And, and, and some people just need a scapegoat. And, and you know, for last year, it was Latang. And his value, too, I think, is not as easy, especially for the lay person, hockey fan, to absorb. Uh, when you say to them, well, look, he's holding on to the puck a lot. You understand there's value to that. You understand that right. he hangs on for an extra Be- second. Because he can do it. He makes plays out of that. Yeah. But the thing is, 
I would be the first to say that Tanger didn't have a year last so year. Would he, so I know would he, Mark. So Yeah. But he was still pretty good, and he's still a legitimate number one defenseman and, in a league that doesn't have many. And most important, and this is the part that I know you and I had a, a talk together with him near the end of last season where he spoke very candidly about getting better and feeling stronger as the season went. Well, the dude came off neck surgery for crying out yeah. loud, playing a contact sport where you're getting hit from behind. And for him to come back and be as solid as he was, as dependable, I like the idea that Rutherford and Sullivan have put in place where they're going to cut down his minutes, maybe cut down his responsibility. That's where Jack Johnson can come in. But, yeah, I mean, he is, he is Crystal Tang. Pay attention a little bit. By the way, Lance Lasowski from your website just quoted Sean Rodriguez as saying, I'm not done. It sounds like a movie poster. Well, it, it, as, as Bob McLaughlin put out on Twitter, <laughs> that's reminiscent of the bring out your dead scene in Monty Python and Holy Grail. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I don't want to go in the cart. Tis a flesh wound. Wrong scene. I know, same thing. That's Dejan Kovacevic. I'm Mark Madden. Time to call in and ask Mark anything. 412 333 WXDX.